0: up to 1 John chapter 2, starting a new series for the fall that I've called uh, Connected, A Guide to Our Digital Age. And I know we've we've talked about some of this stuff at Relay before about technology. Um, We've talked about what David Wells famously said when he wrote, every age has its own challenges. This is one of ours. It's the affliction of distraction. So we've talked about it. I've done a series on technology in Relay, uh, not last year, but the year before. We talked about the reality of these devices we have and how addictive they are. So just to review some of the stuff we talked about, we talked about recent stats show that we now check our smartphone every 4.3 minutes of our waking lives, which means the average American spends 11 hours a day with electronic media, which is TV, smartphone, internet, video games, non-work related, 11 hours a day. Uh, we talked about a recent Bible survey that said the majority of people read their Bible on average four times a year which means we check our phone every 4.3 minutes, and we open our Bibles once every 90 days. Okay, so, so my whole push during our technology series was to encourage you guys to study God's Word, to put down your phones, computers, turn off Netflix, and spend time with God. We need to untether ourselves from everything that wants to consume our attention and our energy and our souls and we need to spend time with the Lord and interact with God and I stand by all of what I said but I came to understand that that's probably not going to happen for most of you in your lives. So you, 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 you wore me down. I give up, okay? We did a Brenner recently. It was in the spring. And I had everybody get out their phones, and we checked our screen time on our phones to see how much time there was. I was somewhat shocked, and what I loved is how many of you were shocked by how much time you spent on your own phones. I had some of you questioning, like, this cannot be accurate. This is lying. This is not telling me the truth. There's no way I spent seven hours on my phone today. I don't think they're like lying to you. Your phone's lying to you, you know? I think we're just so, we don't realize how often we're on our phones. So I I haven't given up hope on reducing the time we spend on technology, and I would still encourage you to consider what you're doing, but I've come to realization this is kind of the world we live in, and I want to help you in this series go at kind of a different, come at it from a little bit of a different angle, which is how do we interact with the world around us? So if we're gonna be on our phones, we're gonna be playing games, we're gonna be watching shows, we're gonna be on social media, and we're gonna be scrolling through feeds on Instagram and seeing what all these people and celebrities and friends, and if this is what we're gonna do with our time, I wanna help you understand this is the effect it has on your souls, and how do we think through what we're seeing? How do we think, how do we process it in a godly way? And the place I want to start is 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Because this verse is very direct, and I think it's an issue, not just with relay, I think it's an issue in the world today. So this is what 1 John 2, 15 says to us, and I want to take that verse and apply it to this topic of all this entertainment and all these things we're looking at, okay? So 1 John 2, 15 reads, do not love the world or the things in the world, okay? Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Do not love the world. This verse seems to be pretty straightforward. Seems to be pretty comprehensive as well. If anyone, if anybody loves the world, what's in the world, the things in the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This is God's word for us. And I think it can help us think through what we consume. Hey, are we... Consuming digital junk food that leaves us unhealthy and feeling sick and tired? Or are we consuming with our time, all this time we're spending, are we consuming health food that, that makes us healthy and ready to serve God and others? That's the question I want to ask you. C.J. Mahaney says this in a little book he wrote on worldliness. He says, Today, the greatest challenge facing American evangelicals, the greatest challenge facing Christians is not persecution from the world, but seduction by the world. I agree with that. I think, I think there is persecution, but I don't think that's most of our struggles that we're being persecuted too much. I think we're being seduced. I think the world is presenting this buffet in front of us all day long. These pictures and images and scenes and and their shows have a message to us. And they're saying, this is what's good. This is what's valuable. This is worth living your life for. This is the truth. This is what's right. And we're sitting there and we're at this buffet and we're just feeding ourselves all day long. And if we're not aware of what we're eating, we're just filling ourselves and filling ourselves to the detriment of our souls. We live in a world of constant information. Probably think about your day and I'm guessing you've received a lot of info from the world around you. I love this. Um, Technology experts have said that the amount of recorded information from the dawn of humanity to 2003 was around five exabytes of data, okay? It's a really big number, it's got a ton of zeros. There's five of them, all right? Five exabytes of data from the dawn of humanity to 2003 recorded information. From 2003 to 2010, we doubled that and generated another five exabytes. So what happened from Adam and Eve, 2003, we created as much information in 2003 to 2010. Okay, by 2018, 90% of the world's recorded information had been generated in the past two years. So we took all that information that mankind has created and 90% of it was within two years. So you just think about 400 hours of new video is uploaded to YouTube every single minute. 400 hours of videos and entertainment. That's a lot of cat videos to watch, okay? Like that's a lot of time trying to keep up with that. And obviously, we're not paying attention to all of that, but we have access to it. We can get access to about any information we want. So it used to be For Christians, the information we had, what we were interacting with with the world was usually our neighbors, those around us, those we talked to, those we worked with. Eventually, newspapers, we got information from newspapers and people would have to read the paper or maybe it was the radio back in the day where you listen to a radio station and you get information from the radio station. And now today, all around us is all this information that the world is generating. I mean, endless streams. I mean, I'm guessing you can watch cat videos endlessly on YouTube for like the next three years. I'd like somebody tell me how many hours of cat cat videos there are on YouTube. And you could probably spend years of your life doing that. And if you look at the stats, here's the thing. The average American, if they're doing, if you're an average American on your phone or on your device or doing things 11 hours a day, you're gonna spend eight years of your life watching videos eight years of your life. You're going to spend five years of your life on social media. 13 years of your life just in watching videos and just looking at what other people are doing with their lives. I mean, that is, that is a crazy amount of time. And here's the thing, that eight hours of video, that 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 eight years of video we're watching across a lifetime, the five years of social media we spend, if we do that across a lifetime, all of that media that we are sitting down and eating every day, it has a message. Okay, it's saying something to us, and I'm not, and I'm not saying all of it is bad, because we have online. I mean, we have sermons going back decades. We have Bible studies and podcasts answering hard questions about faith. We have updates from family and friends and ways we can pray for them. We have educational tools to help us fix about anything. Just YouTube it and you can probably fix it yourself if you just look it up online. Shows that take us into parts of God's creation. We could never go by ourselves. I mean, there's just shows that just Show you, man, there, there's there's aspects of this world that God has made that will blow your mind away just thinking about it. Going under the ocean and going into parts of, of the earth. We could never travel by ourselves. So there's all these good things there, but we also see the sinful side of humanity. We see pornography and anger and slander and gossip and profanity and crude humor and more than anything, just pride just people trying to impress others. And when we're sitting down and we're consuming all this stuff all day and we're, we're eating all day and we're consuming videos and we're playing games, what I wanna help you see is that your heart is engaged that whole time. And I know you sit down and I do this too and I feel like I'm just, kind of turning my mind off and I'm just letting it feed me so I'm not even feel I don't even feel like I'm sitting down and eating I feel like I'm sitting down and someone's just spoon feeding me you know and I don't have to do any work I don't have to do anything but the whole time you're consuming this stuff your heart is engaged it's the way God made us God made us in his image to be people who we see things and we hear things and, and it causes us to worship and our hearts are engaged. We see and we're attracted to and we're tempted by and engaged in everything we view and hear. So if that's how we're gonna spend our time in our lives, let look back at first John 2.15. How do we apply first John 2 15 God's word Apply this one verse to your life and this topic. How do we apply this to what we're watching and reading and looking at? Do not love the world. Does John expect us to lock our doors, turn off the internet and live like monks and nuns to not love the world? Christians have done that in the past and some continue to do that. But at first, I think, if you look at the next verse, he's defining for us what the world is that we are not to love. Okay, look at 1 John two sixteen. Look at the very next verse. So don't love the world. We're consuming this stuff. We're not to love it. Uh, if we do, the love of the Father is not in us. 1 John 2, 16. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes And pride of life is not from the Father. It's not from God, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. All this information, it's going to go away one day. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Do not love the world. The world God forbids us to love is the fallen world. We have to discern the difference between a world teeming with life and creativity and stars and amazing creatures and art and music and stories and a world that's filled with impurity and slander and lust and materialism and pride. And and we have to be able to scroll through our feed and watch these videos and discern, is this the fallen world I'm seeing right now or is this a world that God has made that's good and has something right and pure and true. And so I wanna ask you that first question tonight. When you scroll and when you're watching videos and when you're playing games and when you're doing all these things, do you have those categories in your mind? What world am I participating in right now? I heard a good summary of these three categories verse 16 gives us. Okay, he says uh, the desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, pride of life, I heard some person, one person say, you know, those three things are cravings of sinful people, the lust of the eyes, and boasting of what we have or have done. Okay, to me, that's a great description of so much of online content. It's craving of sinful people, it's the lust of the eyes, and it's boasting in what we have or what we've done. That's the fallen world, that we are not to love. So let's let's quickly look at those three categories, okay? My goal is, i want to give you some categories to think about the content you're consuming and applying do not love the world to that content. So first of all, for all that is in the world, verse verse 16, the desires of the flesh. Think about that for a second. Cravings of sinful people. What are the desires of the flesh? Okay, ask that question when you read your Bibles and you come across a verse like that and you're not to love this, you have to ask, well, what is that? What am I not to love about this world? What are the desires of the flesh? And if you think about it, you might go to Galatians 5, 19 to 21, which gives us a list of what the desires of the flesh are. Listen to this. I think we have it for you. Paul says in Galatians 5, now the works of the flesh are evident, Okay, we see the works of the flesh around us. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. This is a, he's not even being exhausted, but he's saying this is what the flesh is. It's just impurity, it's these cravings, it's impure, it's sensual, it's sexual impurity, it's this envy and anger and jealousy and it's these comments that are just filled with rage and anger and slandering each other and assuming the worst about somebody and you just don't have to look very far to find these things online anymore. I had um, a couple years ago, I said, you know what, like I am done reading comments on anything. And it, you, it doesn't, you know, it won't take you long to figure out why I stopped reading comments on anything. About a month ago, I was reading a news article on knoxnews.com. And I was just, I got to the end of the article and I saw there's a bunch of comments and I, I don't know why I did, I scrolled down. And as soon as I started reading the comments, I thought, this this is the flesh. I mean, the the bashing, the the horrific statements, assuming the worst, just people angry and lashing out, unrelated to the news article, just people, what's coming out of their hearts is just this impurity and this strife and this jealousy. And you don't have to look very hard to find it. It's all over this information. All this information we're creating is filled with this sinful flesh Desires of the eyes, that's one category. The second category gives us is desires of the eyes, lust of the eyes. I don't think I need to tell you, man, these these online forums and these websites and feeds and social media are filled with with people who are trying to provoke your lust. They, they, They know your sinful flesh and the desires of your eyes, and they want to suck you in. They want to seduce you. They want to draw you in. Uh, Covenant Eyes, which is a a service that is an internet-blocking service. It screens websites for things like this, had a booklet on how prevalent this is online. In it, they said the world's most popular pornographic website reports in 2017, these are some stats they had from one website, okay? The most popular one online. They had 28.5 billion visits in 2017. The one website, 28.5 billion visits, 81 million daily average visitors to their website. 25 billion searches performed, 50,000 searches every minute of the day, four million pornographic videos uploaded to one website. 68 years worth of content just on that one website alone. This, this is what our sinful hearts create. And I know you guys are gonna be, this is gonna come at you fast. So if, if you've already had a phone if you're online you've probably seen things like this okay and i want to talk about what we do when we see things like this because our conscience is seared we feel guilty we feel you know dirty inside if you haven't accessed these things i want to try to encourage you and stop you with all my heart from getting online and searching for these things or, or doing anything that will even come across them you don't have to search for them. they're coming after you now they're not waiting for you to come looking for them they're coming after you, okay? These are the desires of the eyes. And, and the effect is just so catastrophic to our faith because we feel like we're anonymous and we can view these things and nobody knows. God knows, God sees, our hearts are engaged. It's the world. God says, do not love the world or the love of the Father is not in him desires of the eyes. Second category you got to have. This is the world we are not to love or participate in. Finally, pride of life. Okay, a good way to say that you'll see maybe in your ESV Bible. It says pride in possessions, boasting in stuff, craving more, wanting upgrades, being discontent, coveting what others have, envying others, Thinking stuff will make you happy, okay? This is another category. Just filling online, advertisements, trying to sell you something more. This is the world. It's not gonna make you happy. So notice this. In all three of these things, okay? Look back at verse 16 in your Bibles. Okay, he's defining the world that we are not to love. In all three of these categories, worldliness is not something that exists out there. It's something that exists in here. Do you see that in those categories? It's desires of the flesh. It's desires of the eyes. It's pride. Worldliness, it's just not something out there. I mean, you can come to Relay and you can come into a room like this and you can think worldliness is out there somewhere and we're together protecting ourselves. Really, worldliness is all over this room because worldliness is in here. It's in our hearts Worldliness is what's going on inside our hearts when we interact with the world and we crave it and we love it and it seduces us and we feel the flesh rising up and we feel these things happening. Worldliness is inside of us so we have to deal with the root issue which is our hearts. This is what C.J. Mahaney says. He says, a love for the world begins in the soul. It's subtle, not always immediately obvious to others and often undetected by the people who are slowly succumbing to its lies. This is my concern for you. All this time, all that we're seeing, all that we're interacting with, all we're engaged with, are we slowly succumbing to its lies? And listen to this description. This is what I don't want to have happen to you. It begins with a dull conscience and a listless soul. Sin does not grieve him like it once did. Passion for the Savior begins to cool. Affections grow dim. Excitement lessens for participating in the local church. Eagerness to evangelize starts to wane. Growth in godliness slows to a crawl. This is what the world does. Okay, we think, man, I'm just sitting here and I'm just engaging and I'm just watching and I'm being entertained and it's not going to affect me. Our hearts are engaged and we feel our consciences begin to grow dull like a sharp knife that just has a rounded edge that's not sharp anymore. And then our affections for Jesus grow dim. We don't love the church as much as we did. We're not as eager to worship God and sing his praises and hear his word proclaimed to us. And all of a sudden we've subtly drifted Away because the world has seduced us. It's reeled us in. It's cast it's it's cast this message out. It's hooked you and it's just reeling you in very slowly. This is what I want us to guard against. Charles Spurgeon, I mean this is Spurgeon was in the 19th century in London. This is way before the internet, okay? But he had this problem in his church as well, worldliness, love for the world, love for the things, the, the, the things this world has to offer. People in his congregation were affected by this. And he used to tell this story about a bird in Niagara Falls in the wintertime. And he said that the story goes that there was this bird that was on a stick, And it was floating down the Niagara River. So I'm from Buffalo, New York. I used to live on Niagara Falls Boulevard. So maybe that's why I love this illustration because my dad was a tour guide at Niagara Falls. But I've been to Niagara Falls a thousand times growing up. And it's just this river, the Niagara River is flowing along. And he describes this bird that's sitting on a stick, just waiting, waiting for the last minute because it thinks at any time it can just fly away. But while it's floating along the river, the mist from the falls is freezing it to the stick and freezing its wings. And at the last second when the bird thinks, oh, danger's coming, there goes the stick, I can just fly off. It's frozen to the stick and it goes over the edge. And Spurgeon said, isn't there a serious danger that our habits fix us so immovably to the drift of our culture? that we cannot free ourselves even when we want to. So ask yourself, can I free myself from this worldliness, from the things of this world and the desires of the eyes and the lusts of my flesh and pride and possessions? Can I free myself? Or am I just floating downstream thinking, I'll just fly off anytime I want. You know, I can just fly and get away whenever I want. Listen, that's not how it works. Okay, when we start drifting towards the world, it's just reeling us in. And so I want us to hear these, this command and from 1 John 2.15 with new ears tonight, do not love the world. And what I want to encourage you to do in application tonight is really two things, okay? Number one is we need to start by repenting when we see we love the world, okay? I I am seduced by the world. You're not alone here tonight. We're all in the same boat. We're all in our culture. We're all participating together. We want to reach the world with the gospel. And so we can't just close the blinds, lock the doors, turn off the internet, say we're not gonna do this anymore. We, we have to live in this world. And our neighbors, our coworkers, students, friends we have in school, we want them to hear the gospel. And so we spend time with them and we interact with them and, and we engage with them. We engage in the world around us. And when we see You know, the problem is just not everything out there. The problem is my heart. When you come to that realization, whether it's something in your flesh, desires of the flesh, whether it's lust of your eyes, and you've seen things and participated in things online, and you feel your heart craving those things, or pride and being discontent and wanting more, whatever you're seeing when you read 1 John 2.16, the first step is to repent of it and then to go back to Christ. The good news for us tonight is that Jesus died for our sins and Jesus never gave in to worldliness, okay? He never loved the things of this world. He never thought he had to own something more for his happiness. He never lusted after a woman and thought, this is where true joy is found. He resisted that temptation. He never had desires of the flesh that he gave into and sinned. He was without sin. And yet he was tempted in every way, so he is sympathetic towards us. He understands our struggle. And so when we see, man, I'm, I'm being seduced by this world and I'm loving the things of this world, we can repent of our sins and say, Father, forgive me. And because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, God says, you are forgiven. And then he fills us with his Holy Spirit. And he says, now you can be transformed. You don't have to live like this. You don't have to be seduced by the world. You can resist temptation. You can say no to ungodliness. Uh, this is Romans 12 two. I love this verse. It's another call to us tonight. It says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Be transformed, okay? Instead of being seduced by the world, be transformed in your mind by first of all, going to the cross and turning away from our sins and putting our faith in Christ and being filled with the spirit of God. Do you know what this world needs more of? I think the world needs more love. I think the world needs more joy. I think the world needs more peace. I think the world needs more patience. I think the world needs more kindness. I think the world needs more goodness. I think the world needs more faithfulness. I think the world needs more gentleness. I think the world needs more self-control. Would you agree that the world needs more of these things? Where do these things come from? The Spirit of God. Who does the Spirit work in to produce these things? He does it in you because of what Christ has done for you. This is what the world needs, okay? It doesn't need you blindly just participating and following along and being seduced. It needs you to see through its lies, to see through its seduction, to see I know what you're doing, I know what you're telling me, but this is not the way of God. The way of God is joy and peace and self-control. It's not these fits of rage and anger. It's not this profanity. It's not these immoral images that I'm seeing. That's not the way of God. I'm not gonna be seduced by these. I'm going to fight against that with the fruit of the Spirit. And when we repent, put our faith in Christ, and we turn away from these things, God will fill you with the Spirit. And this fruit's gonna come out of your life and you're gonna start living differently than you have before. Instead of being seduced by the world, you're gonna be a light to the world, which is exactly what the world needs. It needs you, not just blindly following and coming and being sucked into what it wants to sell you. It needs you saying, no, there's something better. Let me tell you where it is. Okay, when we're engaging, when we're participating, I want you to start thinking like that, which is number two. So that's number one, is to repent, put our faith in Christ, be filled with the Spirit. That's how we respond when we see we've been a part, we've loved the things of this world. And number two is to start, and we're going to talk about this next month more, so just a category to give you is developing rhythms of godliness instead of rhythms of ungodliness. So what I mean by that is you can go through your day, okay? You can wake up in the morning and you can open your Bible for 10 minutes and you can close your Bible, put your Bible down, get on Instagram on your way to school, get your school books, see what everybody's doing. You can go through all your schoolwork. Um, you know, you can look at stuff online. You can get home play some video games, watch some shows, eat dinner together, go back to some more shows, do your homework. You can live your whole day with no regard to God. It's a rhythm of ungodliness, okay? Or you can do almost the exact same day. You can wake up in the morning, you can open your Bible for 10, 15 minutes, read God's word. You can tether and anchor your soul to God and say, God, help me today. In all the things I'm gonna do and interact with, help me to think about you. You can go, you can see what your friends are doing. You can pray for them. You can, in, you can give comments. You can give them scriptures. You can give them words of encouragement when you see something's going on in their life. You can guard your heart. Say, Lord, help me. I'm tempted to, to be envious of what this person has, where they're on vacation, the people they're hanging out with. Why wasn't I invited to that? Why are they having so much fun and I'm not allowed to be there? I thought I was their friend, you know? That's how we tend to think. Instead, you can rejoice with them. You can thank God they got to do those things. You can ask God to help you, to fill you with rejoicing with them and and wanting them to be blessed. You can go to school and interact with your schoolwork in such a way that you're thinking about God. I remember after I became a Christian, someone taught me in all my classes in college, to put a line in the right column, and at the top of each page write, what is true about God? And as I was interacting with all the material, I would in the column sometimes just write little notes, this is what's true. This is what God says, this is the reality. We can interact with our schoolwork in a way that's godly. We can get home and and watch shows and process them and think what's true about this and what's false? What's the message they're trying to sell me? What are they trying to present? What does God say about that? We can have dinner together as a family. We can draw each other out about our days and what God's done and how faithful God's been to us and ways we were tempted, we need to grow. See, we can go through our days And they could look almost exactly the same from the outside. But on the inside, they're completely different. Because in one day, we're loving the things of this world. Because there's no regard for God. There's no thoughts of God. We're not interacting with God. In another day, we can do all the same things. But all throughout the day, we're just interacting with God. We're asking God to help us. We're thinking about God. See, the difference is that God is the center and not us. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to do a little application. We're going to spend time in families doing a little discussion. Uh, And here's the things I want you to talk about. So we have a couple questions. Um, Number one, of these three, so 1 John 2.16 gives us these three categories. Desire of the flesh, desires of the eyes, and pride and possessions, possessions. Which one are you most tempted to be seduced by? Okay, and I... I know at times it's hard um, to confess something. If you're seduced by the world, if you're thinking, man, there's just things I'm seeing online and my conscience is seared and I haven't told anybody, you wanna know who the person to tell is? Your parents. They're not going to condemn you, okay? Uh, parents, when, when, if they confess that, don't yank the phone out of their hands and throw it up against the wall and smash it, okay? We go back to the gospel. It's a heart issue. It's not, it's not a... It's not a phone issue, it's a heart issue. Even though there's things we can do to help guard ourselves, we want to deal with our hearts first. So we're just looking for a conversation about which one am I tempted? How is the world seducing me? Which of these categories am I convicted by? Number two, how can you grow to have a rhythm of godliness in your daily habits with media? So I want you to think through, here's what I'm doing each day. And here's maybe areas that are ungodly where I'm not thinking about the Lord and I want to grow in those things and then number three I thought it'd be good just to spend a few minutes together as families praying for the Holy Spirit to fill you and transform your heart so parents if you need help in these categories ask your teens to pray for you say I'm tempted too. you know I'm tempted to be seduced by things and I want more things or my flesh is seen this way uh, teens, ask your parents to pray for you. Here's where I'm tempted. Here's where I need help. And I thought spending a few minutes praying for each other could really serve us. Just to have a heart for one another to fight this battle together, to encourage one another. So we're gonna spend uh, about 10 minutes talking about these. These are meant to kickstart your conversation as a family. There may be time later you need to confess your sins to one another, maybe outside of this context. But 10 minutes, talk through these. We're gonna return to singing and then, uh, and then I'll pray at the end to close us out. So if your family's not here, by the way, if your parents aren't here, you can uh, join one of the members of our A-team in the back. They would love to sit and talk through these questions with you. And then uh, we'll come back in about 10 minutes and sing another song.